Welcome to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. Every week, she's bringing inspiring guests to help you embrace motherhood the cool mom way. Emily knows firsthand being a mom is hard AF, but she's passionate that doesn't need to be the end of the story. Shift your perspective on what it means to be a mom while learning practical tips and mom hacks you can use right away. Stay you while nailing the mom game. That's what being a cool mom is all about. Class is now in session. Here's your host, Emily Kylo. Hello, welcome back to Cool Mom 101. It's Emily here. I hope you all had a fabulous weekend. Um, Mine was amazing. It was my birthday weekend and I spent it with my four best girlfriends on the Sunshine Coast and it just was magical. Honestly, the house is gorgeous and it's always a good time there, but it was just the crew. It was such a solid crew and we always do a theme. And so this year we did coast around the world. So we each picked a country that we either love to travel to or just feel a really strong connection to um, because we can't, we can't travel far right now. So we thought it was a fun way to kind of get our travel bug out. And it was just the best. And I left feeling so full of gratitude and so full of love. And it was just a fun, fun little adventure. And it just got me thinking about how I'm so in tune with coming from a place of gratitude now. And that's something that's a newer practice for me. I always knew gratitude was important, um, but now it's part of my everyday morning routine. So I'm doing the uh, magical morning practice uh, from Gala Darling. And one of the things we do in it is you talk, it's a voice note. So you talk through all the things you're grateful for. And it's just such an amazing way to set yourself up for the day. So I challenge you all to think about how you can incorporate more gratitude into your lives today because it's something that has 100% changed my life. Um, So yeah, shout out to my besties. It was just the most fun. And also to my parents because they took care of my little nugget Leo while I was away. Um, So yeah, so, so grateful and just thankful that I had that opportunity. Okay, let's get to the episode. Today we have Carrie Lawrence for episode 29. Carrie is mom to Joshua David and Chloe Wilder. So she's got two cute babes and she's just a creative boss. She's a manager for Dex Clothing and a wedding and portrait photographer based out of Vancouver. So for this episode, we talk about how she's handling business during COVID, um, especially with Dex being a Montreal-based Canadian company. We chat about how kids are affected by big changes. We talk why finding your community is one of the most important things to consider when becoming a mom. And we talk about the spectrum from Pinterest mom to I don't give a beep mom and where she sits on that scale. And we also talk about what equal parenting means to Carrie and how it plays out in her partnership. So I hope you really get a lot of value out of this episode. Uh, I had a great time talking to Carrie and just hearing her point of view on equal parenting. I think it's a really important conversation for us, especially as women, to have. So I hope you love this episode as much as I do. And as always, if you haven't left a review, I would love you, love you, love you for it. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you so much for tuning in. Okay, let's get to it. Here's episode 29 with Carrie Lawrence. 
So welcome to the show, Carrie. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So let's get right into the mom fashions. You ready for this? I like that mom fashions. I can use that. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we all? <laughs> um, do you have a daily ritual or daily rituals? And what what is it? What are they? Um, so things have obviously, I, I now have two children. So I think what used to be my normal is now very different. Um, my oldest is almost four in a month. And then my new little, oh, not even a month, two weeks. Whoa. Okay. There you go. <laughs> and then my littlest one is uh, just turned seven months old. Um, so I don't think there's much in the way of rituals when you have a child that decides her own schedule, but, um, in, essentially, um, I guess, Ideally, right now, my daughter's still waking up a couple times during the night, so my husband gives me that little time in the morning to sleep in, which is, I, I don't even know how I would function without it, short of drinking all of the coffee. <laughs> um, so just get a little me time in the morning, and then uh, right now, obviously, things are, I feel like, even more different because of what's happening with COVID. So everybody's regular schedule is way off whack. Um, so normally I would obviously be dropping my child off, my oldest off the daycare and then going to the office. Um, there is no office right now. So uh, it's a lot of like going for a walk or entertaining uh, my oldest while my husband works. And then we all eat lunch together, which is one of my nice. favorite things right now, just having that extra time all together. And then uh, in the afternoon, I usually, that's when I try and get some work done. And then my husband takes off with my kid. <laughs> and, uh, and then the, and then what, I mean, my daughter's just napping, obviously, throughout that time. And then, yeah. um, and then, yeah, sort of a, a, the new normal, I guess, is just trying to make use of every minute while feeling like a parent and a teacher and, an, and a boss all in one. So yeah aka that's not realistic so <laughs> no in the yeah. beginning it was so gung-ho uh you know when all this started in March it was like okay we're doing online yoga we're doing worksheets right and now I'm just like oh gosh <laughs> no and, and really honestly now. <laughs> yeah and if I had I talked about this with my partner like if we had school like I have one son and he's 18 months yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know that has its own set of challenges but honestly he doesn't give a shit that he's alone he's well, he like know it all yet right like no he's having a great time like for him I don't think it's really a huge like difference I'm sure he feels it on some level but he gets to see us more and all that. So I don't think he's like really affected, but when it's I think about like, for their age, I think. Yeah. And then when I think about the school age children or like daycare age, it's like they're used to that social um, time with their friends, even, even at your son's age, like they do mm -hmm. like that social time, most of them. So he, I think it's such an adjustment. About his life too, so it's been quite hard on him to all of us. I mean, he, it's, so far he's quite happy and he hasn't shown any like, this is the worst, but without question, he misses his friends. Yeah. So I do feel, yeah, we just lucked out that like, we just have the one and he doesn't really care. He's like doing his own thing oh, <laughs> in his own little world. Months. That's my favorite age. I love 18 months. So I, it's pretty fun. The only thing that's like a, you know, the new challenge is the things like um, when he started doing the tantrum thing, cause that just was new. And so just figuring out how we wanted to, to kind of approach that. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise it's so fun. Yeah, no, they, and they usually, at least, I don't know about your child, but usually at that age, they can come out of it kind of quickly. It's like when their emotions fully kick in at three and four, that's like, 
I hear after five, we're in the clear. So I got another year and then a whole other round with my daughter. <laughs> well, it's funny because my sister who had, she's a little older, she's seven years older than me and she has four kids. Oh gosh. Um, I know she says in her experience and with her kids that she didn't really have any like terrible twos. She's like, it was four. Yeah. Four was a shit show. Yeah. It was like really hard. And she said that it's been with like all of her kids so far. I, I, from what I've heard, girls are harder at two. Um, maybe we're just emotional from the very beginning. <laughs> I don't know. But for my son, two was fabulous. Honestly, all the way up until like the day before his third birthday. And then three-nager was a real thing. And then now we've started calling four, four-nado. He's only, he's only like 10 days away from his fourth birthday, but it's definitely kicking in because now his arguments like actually make sense. Like mm -hmm. at three, you're like, okay. <laughs> and, then sure. at, good for you. and then at four, you're like, okay, see where you're going. You've, you've applied some real logic there. Like oh, damn it, that actually makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, funny. Oh, so funny. So what would you say is your why for your life? Like, why are you here? Why do you get up in the morning? What really motivates you? Um, I mean, realistically, I mean, I'm trying to just like live with integrity more than anything. I think um, it's really helping me be thankful for what I have. Obviously, like there's a lot of crazy, crazy stuff happening in the world right now, especially I feel like in the last few days, my newsfeed has just become even more negative than I even thought it could be. And, and so I'm just sort of just over here trying to, uh, I guess, be really aware of like how privileged and lucky we are, A, living in, in Canada, where a lot of that incredibly negative stuff seems to obviously maybe happen but on a significantly smaller level um but just i think more than anything i'm just trying to live like a really like a value-based life um i want to do that for both me and for my family so just every single thing like i i mean the word the word for intention now sounds so cliche but like just doing everything for a reason like helping me connect with other families that are in similar um they share similar interests and family values kind of scenario. So just trying to make it all worth a little bit of something. <laughs> Absolutely. And just made me think because I was talking with a couple of my friends today about the, you know, racial situation, if you will, and just the state of the world in that area. And I think for me, and I don't know if you ex experienced this at any point, but I've really come from a place of almost like ignorance about my privilege. Like I didn't think about it really. Yeah, um, I mean, that's the ultimate, the, I think what the, what's the word I'm looking for What the description or the, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> the meaning of white privilege is right. Like when we're, yeah, you don't even think about it. Like you don't realize that the privilege is actually something that you've been blessed with your whole life. I, I still, I mean, obviously like I, you know, I went to a, a school that was mostly Caucasian people. I now live in a neighborhood that's mostly Caucasian people. I mean, Vancouver in general is very, very multicultural, but for whatever reason, a little bubble in North Van, you know, and it's like, you, we, I, I have friends of all races. It's definitely never been something, but I just thought you, you are aware that people are, are different than you. It's just never been something that, Thankfully, I was raised to think of them any differently. Just, you know, that that's, you know, I just said them, which I feel like is maybe all part of it. I don't know. <laughs> well, and that's what it is, has been for me in kind of even, so even like this um, kind of activist that I follow, she was explaining too that 
even the fact that like you and I, and I always would say that too. I'm like, well, I don't see it differently. Mm-hmm. She's like, even the fact that you, and it sounds like like we <laughs> don't see it differently is it, it's kind of adding to that. There's just, like, I think it, unless it you've ever been the minority or you've been uh, uh, in the face of racism or the, the scrutiny of racism, then it's really hard to ever even try to put yourself in your shoes. I mean, the, the one thing that's really great coming out of all of this is, is that everybody is, and I think one of the coolest things that we can do right now, um, you know, is explaining race to our kids that are this young. Obviously, like, I think a lot of why racism is still such a huge problem is because so many, you know, parents have said something out loud that even, that even though they might be slightly joking or whatever it is, it, it, it doesn't come off like that to their kids. Totally. Or on the flip well, side, like... I actually believe in the negative stuff, right? Yes. And then I was thinking on the flip side, yeah, maybe it's not that they have said anything that's racist, but if it's more along the lines of not addressing it. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't something... This isn't to blame my parents, but it wasn't talked about really. Oh, definitely not. I don't think our generation, it really was very often because it was almost taboo to do that. I think our parents were under the impression if they did talk about race, that they were going to make it so that we knew about it. And then in that case, it would be, we us to be able to develop our own opinions on or whatever it ended up being. Yeah. Or almost making it worse. I think that was the fear. Yeah. I'm um, understanding that. And I think that's the, the exact approach I would take is like, how can I introduce it to my child at like a young age and like you said yeah right now it's going in one ear out the other but might not be it's not really like he will then at least have seen like people and it's just so basic but literally he'll have seen people of different colors doing different things whereas if you grow up in a bubble like you talked about certain areas are and I think in Canada especially you go into certain small towns it's very much like that so how can you even just there's that representation factor so yeah watching shows that have like different people of color shown or watching like reading books that have different um different people I think that's a great place to start sure yeah so got to start somewhere. Got our work cut out for us. <laughs> yeah, totally. Now, what is something that you are manifesting right now or a goal that you're working towards? Getting out of all of this life. <laughs> Trying to survive day to day. No. Um, oh, goodness. I mean, I don't think like anybody really has like a clear path of, of how, until this new normal really becomes comfortable, um, which is who knows what that is. I'm a huge planner. I'm very organized. I'm a Libra. I make lists. I'm definitely like the person who has the next six months fully planned out always. Um, so this, that part's been quite hard on me to be able to even envision a goal outside. I mean, goals like what would normally have been really important to me right now are, aren't like, it's almost like all that stuff's taken a big backseat because my other priorities are, are being so many more roles to the kids and to my husband and to, we also just moved. I literally just moved in the middle of this crazy world. Yeah. We did a full townhouse to big old house. Oh, it's, it was nuts. But yeah. So, um, so I mean, really, I mean, I just really don't like being unknown, but I think in, in my work sense, so I'm, I'm in the, um, the wholesale fashion industry. Uh, so I have an agency that runs a clothing brand called Dex for all of Western Canada. Um, and no question, you know, retail shopping has, made some huge changes if 
if people are going to recover, they're going to have to work extra super hard at it. Um, a lot of the the stuff that I'm dealing with is the fact that my brand is based out of Montreal, which is like the hardest hit part of Canada. So even if my territory goes back normal quicker, which it seems like it's doing, whether they can get new product quick enough is a whole other ball game. So just, I mean, my my in work world, I'm really trying to be as like positive and really help people as much as they can in their social media skills and I mean there's definitely no question everybody's just on their phones and I have had more packages delivered in the last month than I think ever before so if I'm doing that with uh, you know a loss of income it's just too easy not to to feel good by putting a little personal something in the box for you or for your kids or whatever it ends up being so um I'm not we're not spending a lot of money but lots of little things which add up really quickly and then that's a whole nother story anyway. So, um, and then on a personal level, I think, um, goal wise, like I sort of touched on earlier, we're definitely dealing with the Fornado world. Um, and I think just all of the changes, baby sister, new house, no school, like it, we always hear that like there's a big change that happens and it will probably throw off your child. So I don't think there is anything else we could have done. <laughs> like we did them all at the same time. So, and he's a very, very happy-go-lucky boy. I mean, he's super crazy smiley. There's, his tantrums last for like four minutes, if that. Um, but it's more the amount of them lately. And like I kind of briefly talked about how actually good, like there's an actual side to his opinion now. Um, so we're really trying to help him control his emotions and sort of figure out the best outlet for that. We actually, I got suckered in on one of those Facebook and Instagram, like suggested <laughs> for this thing called positive parenting solutions. I don't know if you've seen it or heard of it or whatever, but I, we basically watched, watched the one hour free webinar and got completely hooked. And so we, my husband and I've been setting aside uh, a segment every night. There are all these like 12 minute videos. So we've been watching them together and trying to apply that technique the next day. And so far it's actually been really great. I mean, we've got a long ways to go, but it's lots of stuff that you've heard a million times before, but having both parents sitting down in small segments, I think has been really helpful. So for us, that's probably our, our personal goal right now is to just really help him, um, like be, be at, be like basically not, I think their main thing is not, not searching for outside, um, like power struggles. Like they, if you give them enough little bits of power throughout the day or enough like mm -hmm. quality time throughout the day, they don't need to search for it elsewhere, which I guess at their age is virtually impossible not to do. So what we talked about my, my daily rituals. Um, a big part of it is like me taking him out and like my phone doesn't come with me. I don't look at the time. It's like, I'm out, I'm a hundred percent in like play mode with him. And then my husband does the same thing with him in the afternoon. And it's been quite good. I think he really like looks forward to that time with us, but it kind of helps him be a bit more balanced. Absolutely. That's really great. You guys are doing that. And I feel like with the parenting kind of, yeah, education or learning hmm. I think there's something to be said for really dedicating that time and that you know what I mean like even just putting your energy towards it and making mm -hmm. that kind of declaration that like we're gonna do our best here to you know help him through these transitions because it's a ton of transitions like it's normal like we have a hard time yeah yeah very, as, very as, like fully functioning adults like understands emotion yeah, who I, and I'm quite in touch with my emotions too. So it's like, yeah. for someone like that, like I would have a, a struggle moving Absolutely. a house or whatever. So then you think about like a four-year-old who they don't know how to regulate emotions. Yeah. Just yet, right. So 
course it's going to be a shit show. They don't know what's going on. <laughs> totally. There was a book I read called, um, oh, it's something about sibling rivalry. What is it? Raising siblings without rivalry, I think okay. maybe. So it, the, the, the intro of that, it refers to bringing a second sibling in as your husband coming home one day and being like, babe, just so you know, you are so wonderful. I think you're the most perfect thing. So I think you're that great. I'm going to get another one. And also you don't fit any of your old clothes. I'm going to give all your old clothes to this new baby. <laughs> like It's like this whole, you really consider if, if your partner came home and said all that to you and you'd be like, uh, what? Like, I don't understand. What, what did I do wrong that makes you want another one? Right? Like, and that's as much as you can showcase it is it's a good thing that you have somebody to play with and that it's, you know, for, I hate to say the norm, but like to have a second kid. So, and then all of a sudden this kid is like, I don't get it. How come? <laughs> no, that's a really interesting way to look at it. I really like that. Yeah. Cause you imagine if like my partner came home and he was like, listen, I'm just going to get like another girl, like a girlfriend. <laughs> Just for like a few things, like you're not really bringing it all to the table. Share all your toys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably gonna use all your hair products. Yeah, exactly. Do your makeup. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, uh, hard no. <laughs> oh, and my husband and I were very like very unsure about the second kid thing for a super long time. We actually were very unsure about the first kid thing, and then that happened. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that was, we essentially, to have the second one now and to have this like white picket fence family that we were, and a boy and a girl too. So apparently that that's called a millionaire's family, which I think oh. I had, I'd never heard that phrase until that's I had. how much I know. I'm like, yeah. what's that? I, I was like, why is it, is it that? Because it's going to cost me a million dollars to raise two children? Like, well, <laughs> at least that. So maybe. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, that's funny because my next question was actually, you kind of answered it, but I would love to hear more about this. Mm-hmm. Did you always want to be a mom? Like, how was your experience? I guess becoming a mom. Like, what was that like for you? Yeah. Um, so no, I actually didn't at all. When I was in high school, I, I joke around that I was going to be this business. I never want. I was very against marriage and very against um, uh, kids. Not against kids. It just wasn't my thing. My sister is a nurse. Is in, like she would have thirty children if given the option. Um, <laughs> And when I met my husband, he was, it was, it was not, a, not a deal breaker necessarily, but hugely important to him um, on both the marriage and the kid front. And I just honestly just loved him so much that it was like, a, well, I mean, if this is important to you, then it'd be important to me. And then we waited forever. Like we were together for three or four years and then engaged for another three or four years before getting married. So, and then we waited like six years before having kids. So it's, it was one of those like, we were really sure by the time we <laughs> had it done. Um, my sister becoming a mom was the turning point for me, me seeing oh. her, her kid, her oldest son, and seeing how much like our family visually was in that kid. And he, he was just, he's, I mean, he's an incredible child. They both are, but just to, to have my first nephew was a really big game changer, which now a few years in, I've heard a lot that that's a big turning point for a lot of people who aren't sure if they want kids. Um, like a family member having yeah, family kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Just to sort of, it, it's like it becomes like because even if think you're not overly maternal, like I'm not the person that like runs around and grabs other people's babies. No, I don't. Especially now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good for you. See, we were just like pioneers. Oh, that's so true. Right. And then, uh, <laughs> and then for me, that that with my sister's boy, it was it was it was a bit of a, just an eye opener as to how incredibly special your own child, and it, he feels like a little bit of my own child because he is blood, right? So yeah. 
Um, so that's where baby number one came from. And then we did have two miscarriages prior to my son. So that was, um, that was really difficult at the time. But now looking back, I really, if anybody's going through that personally, like I look at it very strongly as the, 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 the kids that I've ended up with are the ones that I was supposed to have. And as, as devastating as it was, I mean, life shattering at the time, um, that I wouldn't have Joshua and Chloe with, if those pregnancies had lasted. So, um, not, I mean, it doesn't make it any easier, but it, it definitely, now that I'm through the tunnel, um, of emotion, it, it's, it's definitely easier for me to see that on the other side. Um, and then my, we were basically, well, my son is, there's three and a half year gap between the two. And so we were on sort of on the Dewey, 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 <laughs> take a bunch of vacations beforehand. Um, <laughs> And yeah, my, my godbrother actually passed away from, um, he had fentanyl in his drug use and um, he was an only child. And that was like a really big kicker for me because he, his, his father passed away only five months before that. And then his mom was alone. And, and it was one of those moments where kind of looking at, I, I have nothing against only children. I think, I actually think that the way that we raise our children now with our big social bubbles and even just the connections on social medias and your mama tribe and all that kind of stuff. I think you don't, you don't raise only children in the same way that we, you did when we were little kids. Cause you were so much more isolated. Whereas now there's way more opportunity for you to have siblings that are your BFFs. Um, so I was very gung ho for that, but yeah, it, it, for whatever reason, it was like, you know, if we're able to, let's just see how it goes. Um, and it was kind of a bit of a turning point for us to try for our second one, which was no miscarriages first shot, totally different than like nine months of trying in two miscarriages with my first. So totally different. My body was like, aha, I remember. <laughs> I can do this good. I guess I'll do this again. I'll do this again. Uh, yeah. So that's how we ended up with two. And, and I am completely obsessed with my daughter. I mean, it's, there's something, she looks way more like me than my son does, which Aww. is kind of crazy. Um, and she's just really happy and a great sleeper and overall not a giant pain in my butt so far. So I'm sure that'll kick in in teen years. <laughs> I was going to say, wait till she turns 12, but no. <laughs> or two, I've been told, but yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Did you, were you one of those people who had like a real preference of like, did you really want boys or girls or were you just like healthy baby? whatever um sort of so i i grew up with just a sister and so i'm i think maybe just because it's all i knew um and i'm not overly girly by any means um like my daughter really doesn't own anything <laughs> that will, again won't last forever but we're gonna try and stick with it um but yeah i, I really what was hoping for a girl so i think we, we found out with both babies we did the um nipped test uh the one that you take at 10 weeks I did that too. Yeah, cost a million dollars. I need to know things. <laughs> so we. I was uh, like, "That's worth it, hundred percent." I know it's crazy. It's like, but I think that that sort of separates the type of person that you are. That's like the type A me in a nutshell was like, "Yes, I will pay seven hundred dollars to find out if my baby, which I can't change, is a boy or a girl." <laughs> oh, it's ten, ten, ten weeks worth of shopping for your baby clothes. I'm just saying. So. <laughs> So I did that with both. And, um, I just tell people that if you're really unsure if you're, if you're wanting to find out or not, like my big thing was because I was so certain that I wanted a girl, I really wanted to fall in love with the idea of having a boy, uh, mm. if it was a boy. So for me finding out, you know, early or just finding out at all, 
um, gave me the opportunity to like talk to him and name him and buy really adorable couch and sweaters and <laughs> little denim jackets and get excited about boys as opposed. And I, I actually genuinely think that I, I can be completely honest here that if he had come out and I didn't know that I would have been like, Ugh, and it might've ruined that moment for me a little bit. And like a lot of people that I know are not that way. Like a lot of people are um, very much, I'm happy with whatever and like power to you. I knew I wasn't going totally. to be so, um, but I, I mean that, that good chunk of time, that extra 30 weeks of knowing that he was going to be a boy was absolutely spectacular to me. And then I couldn't love him anymore the minute he came out. So maybe if you're somebody that deals with, you know, emotional, like potentially postpartum might be down the road for you or whatever, or, or you're just a super planner. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, similarly, but kind of opposite also, but I really wanted a boy. So same thing though. I'm like, I would rather know. Yeah. 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 Sooner. So that, and also I will say for me that it made it feel super real, which sounds weird because like, how can it be more real than like, a human growing inside your body oh, but I totally agree. it just like made for me I'm a big visualizer and like also a bit of a planner so it was just helpful for me to just start dreaming a little bit and yeah it made it more real to me Is your partner on the same page did he want to find out um yeah and and that was like a bit of a cultural thing so he's Brazilian and like they all find out there's oh, no good. it's pretty much no one would have a surprise there I did not know that yeah and also um, they all, most all pick the names before. Okay. So that's not as common here. I don't find, even though sometimes you'll hear parents say like, yeah, we kind of have chosen. In my experience, I find like you still don't know the name until like the kid's born, but in Brazil, like they'll talk about the name. Yeah, so yeah. Like, oh, this is like for Chloe, like when you'd be yeah. shopping when, you know, you're 12 sure. weeks pregnant. So, um, I feel like it's funny cause now I feel like I would do it that way. Having done it once, if we do have another, I think I will just pick a name because we had a hard time when you just had a freaking baby I'm like I'm exhausted like I don't know like <laughs> oh true yeah so well my favorite thing is like when people are like oh I don't know what the baby's gonna look like and I'm like yeah that baby will look nothing like it was born in 10 days and two months later nothing like it was like until the baby's two you don't know what the baby's actually or the kid's gonna look like yeah, and even then there's just that's like toddler version you don't know. No, i know and now having done it i'm so with you but i had that exact thing i was like oh i just want to like meet him first and like you know totally well we just i mean that's the thing names do they're a huge part of you it's for whatever reason you can you can you can be as uh as nonchalant to that as you want but they are they, they shape you Thank you. And I, I felt a lot of pressure actually picking a name because, okay, What's yes. There's, name? Pardon? What's your son's name? Leo. Leo. That's a good one. Yeah. So we had the added challenge of, again, my partner's Brazilian. So it needs to be something that you can say in Portuguese okay. easily. Right. I, I'm like, I'm not picking some name that you can't really say in that language because there's okay. certain sounds you wouldn't use. Okay, okay. So we had that added kind of little challenge in there. But um, yeah, if I did it again, I would totally just like pick it and stick to it. And again, like, like we were saying, it kind of becomes part of the vision. And yeah, not that you can shape or change your kids in that way. Like they mm. kind of are going to be who they are. But for me, as like growing the human, I think it's a good <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and how would you say your experience with motherhood 
has changed, I would say like over time. So, you know, from when you were first a new mom to now, and then also how did that change when you went from having one human to care for to two? Um, so I would describe myself as a really like a bit of a balance between an over aggressively try hard Pinterest mom <laughs> to, to uh, not giving a crap. <laughs> so there's like on the, on the scale from like yeah. Pinterest mom to like, I'm like an eight. Chicken nuggets every meal, mom. I'm an eight. I'm like, I, but I try way too hard and I have more time now. So I'm trying extra hard. So I have two, my two closest best girlfriends. One lives in San Francisco and the other one lives in Kelowna. Um, one works for Google. The other one is a very successful artist. They are like night and day from each other and their parenting styles are night and day. And I always joke around that I actually am like spot in the middle. Well, one has never read a parenting book. The other one does research on absolutely everything. So, uh, and I try and, you know, I'm definitely like the reader of the parenting book, but I'll read like, you know, I'll read like halfway through one and then kind of just make up the rest. (laughs) And then, yeah, but I, you know, I always joke around because I, I definitely like being a photographer as well. I really enjoy like capturing my family dynamic. Um, And I thoroughly enjoy like posting the Instagram stories and kind of doing this whole, like, this is a day in the life of our family. And, um, a lot of people actually kind of touched on that. A lot of people, when I had the second one, were like, there's no way you're going to be able to keep up this social media, like life of, in the family of the Lawrences. And, like, and I think I've, I think I've posted more since my daughter's seen it. I'm on a new level now. So oh, yeah, I do this thing <laughs> called one second a day. Have you ever seen those videos? Which ones? It's called one second a day. It's an app that you like load one second of each video that you take during the day. And it just basically makes like a snippet really fast of them. So I've been doing that with my son since he was one. Um, and every single day since my daughter was born. And I think that was one of the ones that people were like, there's absolutely no way you're going to be able to keep this up. And I'm like, I'm just, now I'm, now I'm going to dip down. I'll show you. I'll show you. <laughs> I'll do it every day. <laughs> so much. Um, so the, to answer your question, I mean, the, I think the biggest thing there that would be really relevant would be the change between one and two in, you go from being able to pass off your kid and have a break. Um, if you have a good, you know, person that's helping you, which makes a big difference, um, but you, you hopefully have a chance to have breaks, um, to really don't get a lot of breaks because one of you's got one kid and the other one's got the other. So yeah. I mean, I have a lot of girlfriends who are sing- single moms with two or three kids and it's like, I just, that makes my head explode. Um, so I think that was the biggest change was I've, I have very little just for me time like even so I'm, I'm a big I'm not a I'm not a very insta instagrammer so my 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 uh instagram is I take pictures and videos all day long and then when the kids are asleep I'll sit down and kind of uh, connect all the dots and and make a little scenario but um and definitely with like editing actual photos and stuff like that that clearly isn't happening right away um so I think with with that it's like my me time I don't even know when or how that happens like and especially with no childcare right now right then there's even less me time so um so that part I think would be like probably one of the biggest struggles uh, definitely not complaining I'm still feeling like really lucky that I have a super helpful husband and and yeah. and my kids are are fun to be around <laughs> generally good to be around so yeah that's, so good. that's key um, but I think yeah I think that would probably be like one of the biggest um changes yeah like the rest time and the me time which Mm -hmm. I do think like 
there's always ways to try and like sneak it in but also your baby's so small still like it's Mm -hmm. really hard when they're not even sleeping through the night yet oh yeah you might not have that right now but I feel like eventually though when the when they both hopefully get on like a bit of a bedtime maybe the bedtime's a similar time yeah the bedtime is actually really similar right now at least and it's that part's been actually I don't know for whatever reason we were just like this is when your bedtime is (laughs) (laughs) that's it um and the sleeping through the night part you know my son slept through the night at four months he was a freaking huge baby and like very chubby and so and I did not realize how incredibly lucky that was until yeah and, and she's only seven months I know lots of people that have gone well over a year without sleeping through the night so um so we'll we'll see yeah we'll see <laughs> so something I was really curious to ask you about because I know you're passionate about it and you kind of touched on it earlier here where mm-hmm. you said you have you know a really supportive partner right and so I would love to hear your take on equal parenting so like what does that mean to you and how how does that kind of play out in your family um so he really wants to be involved I know a lot of I know a lot of you know my, he's he's in his early 40s which I think is a lot of the younger dads that are coming forward are really open to being equal parents um, but there's a lot of, even our friends whose, whose husbands are in their forties that are like, wife does this, like I do this. And I really look at it. And so does my husband. Um, and, and to be honest, he was kind of the one that when we first started talking about this, that he was the one that was bringing it up, that it was really important to him that he didn't want to feel like that he had to do these things that he wanted to do them. Um, but I think more than anything, it's, you know, today's parenting is no longer the husband brings in all the income. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Obviously, certain families, it is that way. But if it's not, then your husband has no excuse. <laughs> like, if you are also bringing in income and you're also, um, you know, ra- raising children is a full-time job. But if you're raising children and bringing in income and then your husband is bringing in income, he should also be raising the children. And that is everything from, like, I'm sure you've heard the phrase of the mental load, but I'm really oh, yeah. about that. But, like... I- there's my with my husband doing he does a lot of almost all of the cooking he's like very very um yeah (laughs) I can't see but my jaw dropped open (laughs) it's well it's funny because so my mom is is she had us quite late so she she, in her late 30s in the 80s and yeah so for 80s that was like weird now that you I was always a decade older though they were always a decade older than all of my friends parents but you know even to this day she'll say to both me and my sister oh my god you guys are so lucky and I'm like no I really just wouldn't have married a person that didn't want to help I was like because it's not even about helping it's like you live here (laughs) like this is your roof also you can do the things and so I mean there's no question women are or I sorry I hope this doesn't come off as offensive there's any male listeners but for the most part women are really you know, very organized and definitely for most households, the like the um, delegators and the allocators to whichever thing you're doing. Um, And so I'm definitely still the person that like maybe reminds him to do stuff, but he has absolutely no issues to do it. And he does a ton of stuff on his own. Um, So, so again, just to have that, I think is unbelievable. And I, I just don't personally know if I would, as, as my own human, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would be able to be in a relationship and, or be a parent with somebody that wasn't willing to, or wanted to, to do part of what it just t- takes to operate a regular household. <laughs> Absolutely. And 
like I definitely wouldn't have kids with someone who mm-hmm. wasn't at least willing like because we're not perfect at it and I think yeah we too and I don't know if you experienced this but when I went back because I'm working now and so that's where I'm like I feel like we still need a bit of work because there were things that would fall to me more when I was just at the house and I'm not saying we have more time when you're at the house because it's not really that, but it's like, really a bit more flexible. Yeah. I think everyone right now is getting a good taste of what stay at home mom was like. And they all want to do it. I don't want that shit Uh, for me, for me. But anyways, um, yeah, I, I think that has been an adjustment we haven't fully like nailed down yet. Cause I'm like, I I do think there's a little more, not negotiating, but you know, like division that needs to happen because I found it really important to sit down and break it all down together. Like literally crack a nice bottle of wine and sit down and be like, this is where I feel like I need more help. Where do you need more help? Let's take stuff off each other's plates. But it's, it's more like, if you know who's responsible for what part then there's no question. Like if my son wakes up in the middle of the night, I'm not getting up. Like my husband will go downstairs and cuddle with him and put him back to sleep. Like it's like, if, if, if the girl wakes up, it's all me. Right. Like, and it was actually, this is one of my favorite things when we had our, our first son, there was only one baby, my girlfriend and the San Francisco best friend, she was basically like, Oh, well I deal with the input and my husband does the output. So any diaper changes <laughs> were the husband, totally he's all the breastfeeding. And so we did that for my, my son. And I, I was, I, a lot of my friends are like, oh my God, your husband does all the diaper changes. I'm like, no, well, not all of them, but like I do all the breastfeeding. So. I was like, yeah, I know. And then anyway, so we did that. And then, uh, and then for baby number two, it was like, I'm not going to wake you up in the middle of the night to change the diaper when like I'm also getting up. Cause if my son wakes up, then you're responsible. So we kind of like, yeah, that way for round two. No. And I think that's like a really good tip. I saw, um, actually with someone I interviewed, a few weeks ago for the podcast, she, she actually like specifically listed out pretty much what you're saying. Like, this is husband's responsibility. This is mine. And she's like, we're not perfect. Like sometimes it has to be some exceptions, but yeah, but she's like, it takes a lot of the stress out. And like you're saying, I love your idea of like, almost make it fun. Like have a bottle of wine or have some like dinner together and just like go well, once through it's decided it's decided it doesn't have to be like a, a, a like a thing that you talk about on a weekly meeting <laughs> have that wine every week but you can <laughs> you can you know it's not like the if, if your husband is afraid to talk about that kind of stuff or doesn't feel comfortable talking about that stuff it's like it's one conversation then we know and the average human is very visual right like so many people really prefer to see it broken down so that they can and like you said, let things be flexible. Like, you know, I, I need help with this, this time this week. Then absolutely. Like totally. there's, no, there's no question, the more flexible you can be in any part of life, it makes it easier. So. Yes. Yeah. So I love that idea. What a good idea. Ta-da. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and something else I wanted to ask you about, um, that you had brought up was the idea that our generation you to, you don't think our generation will end up with empty nest syndrome. Mm, yes. Um, that. So my, my mom was a stay at home mom. And when we graduated, moved out, etc., she actually gave me a copy of a book called something, hello from the empty nest or something like that. Like signed the inside. This is from your mother. And I was like, Oh dear Lord, this is dramatic. Anyway. So I read it and I was like, wow, this is so sad. This is before I had kids. And I was like, I can't even process 
being like this, but I think uh, for the, their generation, if they were a stay at home mom, or even if they worked part time or whatever it ended up being, a lot of it was, they were doing all the household work, all the cooking and cleaning. Like my, I don't think my dad really ever did much in that sense. Um, and so, which again is they're in their seventies they're Australian and British. It's another big factor. It's very old fashioned countries. Yes. Um, and I think now with the emptiness syndrome, to me, it is more about this whole mama tribe thing that we've all really built. Like I have like a huge social network of a lot of moms, even that I talk to daily that on my Instagram that I don't even know, I've never even met them, but we have such a similar kind of vibe and connection. And like, I feel like the, like Facebook mom groups or like my two best friends that I talk to every hour of the day, or, you know, I think when, when, um, when I had my first baby, my, I think my mom was expecting me to, you know, really reach out to her for a ton of more advice. But I mean, the crazy part is that how much it changes and how quickly, even definitely 38 years ago, let alone now to the difference between things that were normal three years ago to four years ago to now has changed, right? So you become really reliant on your immediate social circle. And I think a big part of the reason why even right now what's happening with COVID is kind of in the same feeling of, of this empty nest syndrome as being incredibly isolated and not having people to reach out to. And so thank God we have social media for something like this, or at least the ability to be able to text and, and Zoom chat and, and be connected to these people. But I think when your kids leave the house, you today's average parent doesn't throw themselves all in or it's almost, you definitely throw yourself all in, but you still kind of remain yourself. Like, I, I don't feel like me becoming a parent made me a completely different person. It may be a better person, but it didn't ch completely change. Like, I still like the same things. I still do the same things. I might do them less often, but I haven't like stopped doing stuff altogether. Um, whereas I think it was just the norm back in the day to become this like super mom or whatever. And then and with way less pressure than we have now, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. well, but it's, but without the connection, and I think the connection is the biggest part, like just yeah. to be able to maintain those friendships and, and really have a bunch, a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of opinions in your corner to really help you out. Um, so, I mean, it'll be a test of time, but I think a lot of, a lot of moms from the eighties, the nineties, the seventies, whatever it ended up being, um, they parented so, so differently. Not that it was wrong. It was the norm at the time, but I think we're really blessed to actually have this huge information, almost too much information, but at the same time, that information is there if we need it. It wasn't yeah. there. Totally. And you brought up a really good point that I am extremely passionate about is like not losing yourself in your children. Mm -hmm. And you brought this up in the perfect context because your kids are not going to be your whole life forever. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a right. huge long time and you want them to be able to come back to you forever. But for up yeah. until now, I mean, my son is, I feel like we're not even at the age where I need to take like the Disneyland vacation for my kids. Like I brought my son at two to Spain and we went to Spain. We went to all the fanciest restaurants. Thank God Europe is like Europe is like very child friendly, way more than North America. Yeah. <laughs> so you, can, you can make a reservation. Like the Mater Dieu was like playing peekaboo. They like <laughs> brought him his own fancy sparkling cocktail. <laughs> Brazil is like that too. Like the restaurants, even like nicer ones, some of them have like play areas. Like yeah, or it's like very different. Yeah, totally. Brazil's like that as well because it's just like family is still um, such a core value. I love that. Whereas yeah. in North America, 
It's, it's not, I know that's not, I'm not speaking for everyone, but I think yeah. the general consensus is, you know, it's not really that way. So no, no I definitely, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that to me is, is really just trying to bring him along. I mean, he definitely has his own interests. There's no question. The kid loves a good Paw Patrol episode. His interests include tracks right now. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's, we still get to like help them kind of like, curate the things that they like and then they can kind of build on that as they will like you're obviously not going to have any control over them in in the near future so the little things that you can do to help them develop like their own interests yes and then like we said stay with whatever lights you up and the things you're interested in because we will have more time at some point here right <laughs> so if you just lose all those things and like you said that generation kind of before us when you know you kind of let all of your interests go when then your kids don't need you as much mm -hmm. of course it's not a great place to be no that sounds really scary <laughs> yeah exactly we won't go there <laughs> all right carrie well before we wrap up with the last two questions i want to acknowledge you for being here and thank you so much for being so open and just having a really lovely conversation with me Oh, I feel like it keeps going forever. <laughs> it's good. It's so good. Okay. So last two questions we end with, tell me for the last couple of weeks, um, what has been your biggest mom fail and then your biggest mom win. So we'll end, end on the positive. Um, oh, fail is such an awful word. <laughs> no, it's a good thing. You, you know, it's like, hashtag mom fail it's not hashtag mom fail yeah Screw it's that not so <laughs> it's not so serious yes no it's so true i really try and allow i mean i try not to like honestly try to not think of the little things as failures because i think if mm -hmm. you put so much pressure on yourself to not make that mistake again and whatever thing that you did doesn't have to necessarily be a mistake it's like a learning curve right so totally um, for me, I think the whole moving, we've just been in our house for a month. So, um, uh, we, we did sleep training at, uh, five months and then, um, I really like fully slid back into just like letting her nurse to sleep. And then all of a sudden kind of realizing this was way too easy. And so I think that for me would probably be what I have feel like I've screwed up in the last little while. So we're currently on a bit of a, a, a redo trying redo. to, yeah. yeah, it's your learn. Like my, one of my favorite quotes is basically you either win or you learn. So it's like, that is how I approach that. Yeah. So yeah. It, and we definitely had a, a, a similar situation where we yeah. sleep trained and then, yeah, you can, there was a couple weeks where we were like, Oh, should we really like keep going with this? And then you get, you go back to other patterns, which yeah. is all fine. It's just, if your end goal is something, then you can't yeah. keep going back. <laughs> That's oh, absolutely, all. For sure. Yeah. Well, we, uh, my son, we didn't sleep train until 13 months. Cause I was like, well, he's a good sleeper. And like, and then all of a sudden I was like, I'm not going to be nursing you forever. And also you're getting really heavy and my husband can't bounce you forever. So between the two of us, we were like, oh. so we did it way, way, way later, which was a total nightmare. So don't do that. <laughs> yeah, then, but you learned, see? Learned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so true. Okay, um, let's end with the win. Okay. Uh, let's see. Mom win. I think, well, the whole, like, the new um, thing that we were talking about doing with, like, getting that really like intense one-on-one -on -one time um, as part of that parenting thingy that we're learning. Um, I think that's been really huge for both of us. Ah. It's funny because 
uh, even though we'd, we'd always have that time together before, this was like a designated, okay, we're going to start like mommy and Joshy time now. And then it, you have like, it, it, they say 15 minutes, um, which feels like five when you're doing it, because I think right now we have so much time. Like I, I could probably take him for a, a two hour hike and it would be fabulous. But the real connection is that like, you have to like be completely focused, full playtime, no phones. And for me, the person that likes to record and capture everything, that's actually very difficult because <laughs> that counts. Yeah, and especially I know. Someone who's now obsessed with like um, picking up my phone and taking pictures. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was, I think, a really big kicker is like actually just, you know, this doesn't need to be recorded. This is all just you and me. And so I've really been trying to focus on that. And, um, and it's been awesome. He like asks for it every day. Can't wait for our time together. And yeah, so I think keeping that up would be good and then when we all go back to work and school and all that then that 15 minutes becomes incredibly realistic because yeah it's hard to channel more time no and you pick them up at five (laughs) totally but I think that's you know people take it for granted that that designated time one and then also just that undivided attention right Mm -hmm. so it's like and getting you think you're and you kind of think you're not on your phone that much but it's always in your hand and like even that is I think not the best. So I, I, I think I'm going to adopt this. I love this. Yeah. Well, I got my, when my husband got me an Apple watch for, I don't even know how long ago that was, but it was before kids. And I remember hearing a mom talk about the fact that like this way you're connected. If there's an emergency, if someone's phoning you, if something like a reminder on your calendar goes mm-hmm. off, but your phone can be in the other side of the room. right? Like, yeah, I actually really like that. And I was like, and so I, and it's freaking hard to, to not have my phone. I mean, but I look at it like, if that is the norm, which my kids are seeing, then how are we going to expect them to not be on their phones? Like I look at teenagers now and I'm like, Ugh, always on your phone. We do it too. I'm always on my phone. We're the so, worst. We're just as bad. World not absorbing all of that. And, no. and so I, yeah, I think the, the watch thing with my little, so I'm trying that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good little hack though. I love that. Yeah. All right, Carrie, thank you so much for being here again. And I look forward to connecting sooner. Awesome. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Cool Mom 101 with Emily Kylo. If you liked our podcast, please be sure to leave a comment or review and be sure to tune in next time.